and gentlemen, live from the West Coast, it's time for Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Your inside look into combat sports. Ring Talk Live Worldwide is brought to you by the World Boxing Council, the WBC. That is just a fact of life. And now, the host of the longest-running fight show in radio and Internet history, Pedro Fernandez. Woo! going to be good. Damas y caballeros, bienvenidos, ladies and gentlemen, emanating, coming at you from the multi-million dollar sports byline studios. Check it. This is Ring Talk Live Worldwide on WBC TV. Often imitated, but never duplicated. I am the original, knocking out all bums now, 37 years, make that 38 plus years now. My name is Pedro Fernandez. Of course, this is Ring Talk Live Worldwide, the longest running fight show in history. We talk boxing and a little mixed martial arts as well, of course, in the next hour here live on Sports Byline, iHeartRadio, Sirius XM, Satellite Radio, Channel 217, Stitcher.com, TuneIn.com, iTunes. I keep going and going. Bottom line is we're on like a thousand different internet platforms. But you're tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide, of course, and WBT Live coming to you each and every Saturday and Sunday live at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Of course, delayed on VTV come Tuesdays, but straight up, this is your inside look into the world of boxing and MMA. Earl Spence, of course, the undefeated welterweight champion, comes to us from Dallas, Texas, the guy that flipped out of a car at 115 miles an hour about two years ago, drunk as a skunk. Maybe that's what saved his life. Bottom line is, he has some serious injuries, I thought. I thought they would be permanent injuries. I thought it would still affect him to this day until he dies. Bottom line is, he says it hasn't affected him. We'll see what happens tonight. Of course, he's taking on Yudi Ugas. Ugas is the Colombian, of course, uh, the Colombian, the Cuban that beat, the un- Cuban underdog that beat Manny Pacquiao, 41-year-old Manny Pacquiao last year. Of course, that wasn't much of an upset. It was an upset on, these, on the oddsmakers, uh, uh, as far as the oddsmakers are concerned. But bottom line is, Manny Pacquiao was 41 years old. Now, Ugas is not a hobo. He is the WBA title holder. Of course, lost a couple of fights, very close fights. But you look back at his amateur pedigree, and he beat Terrence Crawford in the amateur. So he is a man without a doubt. Tonight, the challenger, he has two chances. Don King will put to your legs, slim and none. I'm trying to say this. I'd like to see Ugas win, but I don't think so. Slim and none, and I think Slim is out of town. Straight up, this is Ring Talk Live Worldwide. The text line here in the studio, 415-275-1613. Once again, our studio text line, 415-275-1613. This is Ring Talk Live Worldwide. But hey, hey, you know that. Something new, relatively new from the mighty Tower of Power. Check them out, the soul side of town. Of course, towerofpower.com is the website. Straight up, last week, of course, Ryan Garcia, King Ryan. I call him the savior of boxing, maybe the future of boxing. People say he's full of spit. Bottom line is, we talk spit on the show, we mean spit with an H. At the end of the night, he won all 12 rounds against a guy by the name of Emmanuel Togo. Togo was a joke. To say he fought like a shoplifter running from a security guard would be an understatement. That's probably the best way to describe this fight. That's the way he did. He just ran and ran and ran some more. I would have, listen, if he'd have ran like that on me, I think I would have stepped on his foot and stopped him or I would have kicked him. One or the other. The frustration would have got me to either step on his foot. Strategy, I would have stepped on his foot so he couldn't move. Okay? But if he'd have kept it up, I'd just have kicked. I'd have finally kicked him. I'd have kicked him finally. I'd have done something, something off the wall, probably got semi-disqualified. The bottom line is the guy was a clown. Okay, he came here from Akragana. Now, I don't want to wish bad things on the guy, but he returned to his native homeland this year of Ghana, Akragana. Of course, that's where he's where he's from. And they didn't shoot him when he got off the plane. 
unlike Ninoy Aquino, of course, the uh, political rival of President Ferdinand Marcos back in 1983, the the husband of uh, future President Corazon Aquino. But when he stepped off the plane in 1983 from the United States to the Philippines, he was shot dead. They should probably should have done this to this guy, uh, Emmanuel Tago. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Listen, I know I shouldn't say that the way I said it, but I'm not trying to say she killed. They should be gangster slapping him when he gets off the plane. I mean, there should be like a whole row of people. Just you disgrace this country. You made us. I mean, I have never seen um, somebody come from that part of the world and fight that cowardly in my entire life. Never, ever. And that's the best way I could put it, cowardly. And as far as mismatches were concerned, of course, that's on Ryan Garcia and his team because they put this fight together. They knew the guy couldn't spell fight. He was 32-1, and one, like with 15 knockouts or something like that. But he couldn't punch, and he was old, and he was slow, and he was small. He was so small, it looked like they were like in... Like he was fighting a jockey or something, like Ryan Garcia, a big, tall Ryan, 135-pounder, was fighting some, some midget. I mean, the guy looked like incredibly small. At the end of the night, somehow a couple of the judges gave this clown a round or two, but at the end of the night, I thought after Ryan Garcia knocked him out in the second round and basically took care of business, it was an easy win for the kid from uh, Victorville, California. Of course, Victorville, California is known for one thing prior to Ryan Garcia, a good barbecue and hot chicks. Straight up, let's take it to the East Coast, of course, and bring in the Bronx Bomber. Of course, I'm talking Mr. Socrates Palmer, boxing's PhD. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great, Pedro. Nice spring day here in New York. Okay, why Why shouldn't, why, why, am I too extreme calling for the execution of Emmanuel Tago getting off the plane there in Akragana? Because I thought he disgraced the country. You know, how can I say this without being too insensitive or stereotyping, but a lot of guys, especially from that region, look at boxing as just a job, you know. And a, a good friend of mine uh, is uh, Joshua Clotty. Mm -hmm. He's from Ghana, same thing. It's a job to them, you know. And he, you know, there's, there were moments in his career that he could have taken it to another gear, but he just, eh, the check's, the check's cash, Got you know, it. the same way whether you win or lose. And Emmanuel Tago was, let's face it, tailor-made. The guy had not fought in almost three years. Um, it was He was meant to make Ryan Garcia look good. Uh, he frustrated Ryan at times. Ryan definitely showed some rust. He dropped him at, uh, at one point uh, in the fight. But Tego, everybody knows that Tego was not there to win. So, you know, yeah. am I shocked? No, but you, no. Put up, but you put up a reasonable front. Listen, I, I, you Absolutely. know. You put up a reasonable front. I mean, there was uh, – I don't want to get into it, but I was going to say something personally, but I'll just leave it at that. Um, I fought – listen, I shouldn't talk about bums. I fought a lot of bums. I really – I mean – Probably in the majority of 52 fights, a lot of those guys couldn't spell fight. They just couldn't, okay? That's just the way it was. Um, so I have a hard time sometimes knocking guys for fighting bums. That's basically how you build up your record, fighting guys that are lesser than you, okay? I'll, I'll admit to that. But Emmanuel to go, for him to go home to his country like that, and, you know, the I mean, I Corte was there. I Corte didn't consider it, a, consider it a job. Isn't that the same place that uh, – that uh, yes. the guy that fought Salvador Sanchez is from. I can't think of him right now. The professor. Yeah. Someone else. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, listen. You know, it, it. Like I said, you know. No. Go. No. Let's go back to shooting him. No. 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 <laughs> the question was. The question was. Now we got away from the question. The question was: Is it too extreme for me to call for him being shot when he gets off the plane? A little bit. Okay. Little okay. Bit. okay. We just yeah, want yeah. to get that officially out there. <laughs> Want to get that oh, I mean, listen, if he lived next door, soccer player. If he lived next door to me, I'd be I'd be dogging him for the wrestles. He'd probably kill me. 
People I'd be like, shoot me, because I would dog every day I saw him. Man, aren't you the guy that ran like a girl on TV? Made the whole country look bad. I mean, because he made the whole country look bad because everybody in Ghana was watching that fight. Believe me, everybody in Ghana was watching that fight. You think so? I know okay. it. I know it. Every And when he didn't, basically, you know, he didn't show up, didn't even try. I and mean, the bottom line is the end of the night, of course, Ryan Garcia was the winner. But Ryan Garcia makes, missed more right hands than I can imagine. In fact, it was one point, one point there, I think, where his glove got hooked up on the on the rope he missed so badly. I mean, talk about ring rust. That wasn't rust. It was more than rust, um, excessive rust, extreme rust. Yeah. Um, I mean, you kind of expected everything that happened last week. I, you kind of expected it. Um, Ryan, as we know, has a lot of talent. The question is, can he harness it, and does he have it from the neck up? I think, you know, I'd have to give him probably like a B as a grade, uh, considering the fact that he fought a guy that was not willing to engage, you know, that was there for survival strictly. So, uh, you know, I think Ryan is still a work in progress. He's probably on the lower end as far as the lightweight, quote unquote, stars that they are, you know, but out of all those guys, he's the one true golden goose. He's the biggest moneymaker. And I'm sure Golden Boy will protect him as such. Uh, I saw on Twitter he called out the winner of tonight's fight between Pitbull Cruz and Yorkies Gamboa. Let's see if that happens next. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. So he's, he's calling out two guys that have already lost. I love it when guys call out guys yeah. that have lost. I love it. Yeah. Hey, I want to take on that guy. Didn't he just get, get his ass beat last time? doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, well, Pitbull Cruz fought a very good fight. Probably super exceeded our Everybody's expectations. expectations, without a doubt. Yeah. But he still but, lost. He still lost, right. So you're asking me... What does a win against Isaac Cruz do for Ryan Garcia's career? I shrug my shoulders. You know, it's like, okay. You know, he beat a guy who's who's probably a featherweight at best, you know, but it's what it is. It's today's uh, internet uh, internet thugs. Give, know, give, Ryan, give, give Ryan Garcia some props. So at the end of the fight, he said he was going to leave things up to his team and Joe Goose and things like that. I thought that was pretty cool because, you know, he's always been like the guy in control. Yeah, well, it could be a sign of maturity, you know. It could be a sign of maturity, and uh, you know, it, it's. I I hope that he does well because I because I, I firmly believe that if he does well, the sport does well. You know, and Ryan Garcia brings attention outside of uh, the normal boxing fan. You and I, you and I know that, and I, I find it hard. You know, when I'm trying to preach this uh, to the boxing masses, isn't it? To the purists, isn't it? They shake their head. They scratch their head. They walk away from me. They're like, yeah, you're out of your mind. Anyway, but the bottom line is, if, if he was, there you go. I've, I've been called all kinds of, what are you, you're blowing this guy? Away. No, no, no. The bottom line is, I look at the fact that nobody, he, he could be the next golden boy. And because of the social media era, he could be bigger than the golden boy as far as actual fans and things like that are concerned. Yeah, I mean, you have to be a moron to, 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 to not think that's the case. I mean, if he's doing well, everyone's doing well. The gates are bigger. The attention is bigger. You, you got to be an idiot. You know, you get to charge more for sponsorships, like stuff like that. I mean, let's think about it. You know, he, he's, he's good for the sport, bottom line. There's no, there's no way around it. But at the end of the day, he's got to show and prove. There's fighters out there that he that eventually, if he's going to be considered great, he's going to have to fight one of these guys, whether it be his regional rival in Devin Haney, George Cambosis, Teofimo Lopez, Tank Davis, all those guys at some point in their career have to meet. Cambosis and Haney were on TV this week talking some press conferences and this and that. 
and Cambosis called Haney boy, and, and, and you know, because Haney was there, right. Haney was there with his son, with his father, and this and that. And Haney came off, I'm not a boy, I'm a man. He came off like a boy. Well, uh, I, I guess George did what he wanted to do, right? He got under his skin, and he seems to be pretty good at that because he did the same thing to to, to Lopez. Lopez's uh, father. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he got under his skin. That's that's his schnick, you know. If you don't see it, then you know I don't know what to tell you. But uh, Devin Haney needs to definitely keep his cool. He could be upset. After the break, we'll talk about, of course, tonight's fight: Udi Urgus and Udi Ugas, of course, and Earl Spence, and of course. Wow, how about this big story about Kevin Ioli breaking Bob Arum and the Mafia, Daniel Kinahan? We'll talk about that in depth after the break with Boxing's True A PhD, Socrates Palmer. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide and WBC TV coming, coming to you, God, from the Sports Byline Studios. Those are the horns of the mighty Tower of Power. Check them out. They've been doing their thing, of course, since the late 1960s. Towerpower.com. they got a new record, I believe it or not. Tower of Power, like their 23rd or 24th album. Straight up, you are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide and WBC-TV. Of course, on the line from, from the East Coast, the, uh, the Bronx especially. Of course, we're talking about the Bronx Bomber, Boxing's True PhD, Socrates Palmer Jr. And first of all, I'm going to lead this off with, um, hmm, how do I put this? Boxing stars, promoters sweating over ties with alleged mob boss Daniel Kinahan. This was written by Kevin Ioli, of course, formerly of the Las Vegas Review Journal back in his heyday. When WBC heavyweight t- champion Tyson Fury announced a uh, two-fight deal to fight Anthony Joshua for the undisputed title, he, cre- he credited Dan. Dan, it turns out to be Dan Kinahan. Earlier this week, Tuesday, at a news conference in Dublin, Ireland, attended by senior U.S. officials from the Department of Homeland Security, Department of Treasury, Drug Enforcement, and the U.S. Ambassador to Ireland, the government announced a $15 million reward for information leading to the arrest and conviction of Kinahan, his father Christopher, wow, holy cow, and his brother Christopher uh, Kinahan Jr. The reward is $5 million for each man. Bottom line is, I'm off to wherever this guy is living right now. No, take that back. He's in Dubai. If he wasn't hiding in Dubai, I'd be going there. If like he, if he was in San Jose, me and Daniel, my producer, we like split split sports byline. Forget it. Just leave, leave blank air. Just go find him right now. <laughs> wow. $5 million racks, huh? $5 million that- each. And guess this. Of course, you know, and, and a few weeks ago, and Mauricio Suleiman took a picture with him. Mauricio told me, listen, the guy asked me to take a picture. I said, didn't you know who he was? He goes, everybody asked me to take pictures, Pedro. I said, I understand that. He goes, haven't you taken the pictures with people that you probably wouldn't want to take a picture of? And I thought about that, and he's right, because I took a picture with a child molester one time, a, co- a convicted child molester, and I didn't know it, and I put it on Facebook, and somebody said to me, don't you know he's on Megan's list? I went, whoa, and I went and took it off. But, you know, things like that do happen on occasion. Yeah. Yeah, listen, I, I I know someone personally who is a sex offender and he is a, a boxing he owns a boxing gym here in here in New York and uh not some people know that, you know, but he uh yeah, we, we a lot of times uh we do things and, and we don't realize it. Um but back to the story, it's fascinating. I mean, first of all, Kevin Ioli, who I you know, I'm glad he's doing well. I think he had a uh a procedure, a heart procedure recently. Mm. I saw he had a, a blockage in his arteries. So I'm, I'm glad he's on the men's and breaking big stories. Well, he never lacked heart when he came to writing. I mean, he, he no. at one point in time, 
I don't want to say I was his competition, but I was kicking ass there in Las Vegas on the internet in the early days of the internet. And I think I had all those guys on the run, him and Dean Jipe with the Las Vegas Sun guys like that. I had them on the run without a doubt because I was busting stuff immediately where it would take them three or four days to get their next column out. See my point? Well, competition brings out the best in people, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and you, you were the man. So you, you are the man. Sorry. And, um, no, no, were, were, were. I will take past tense on that one. Somebody said to me the other day, I, you know, I don't write anymore. And why don't you write anymore? I don't feel, I don't feel motivated. I wrote for almost 25 years. You know, I, I don't feel like writing mm-hmm. anymore. I mean, somebody said to me the other day, I said, ah, you know, I have a hard time writing a grocery list. I, I feel the same way. Yeah, it's definitely a labor of love. You, you have to, it's a passion. Um, you know, it's, it's one of the most intimidating things is a blank screen. Okay, you know. so here's what they're, they're calling this a Kinnanan Organized Crime Group. That's what the Justice, Justice Department's calling them. I, you know, it's, what can I say? Um, he's had a long relationship. Bob Aaron paid him a million dollars for the last four Tyson Fury fights. I mean, you know, Tyson Fury talks about this guy Dan, this and that. I mean, you know, obviously he hasn't been on the um, he hasn't been on the Oscars. He's been right in the middle of this. Yeah, I mean, boxing and organized crime. Is kind of go together, you know, since the beginning of time. You know, you know, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I knew. I think the statute of limitations is up. Go ahead, spit it. <laughs> okay, I, I knew Frankie Carbo, and I'm actually I knew Blinky Palermo. I got introduced to Blinky Palermo one time, and uh, of course he was a mobster. Him and Frankie Carbo, they ran boxing out of Madison Square Garden. They would fix fights when need be. Um, they did it any way they did. And when you got a phone call, I think Frankie Carbo's name was like Mr. Brown. And when Mr. Brown called you on the phone, you either threw the fight or you were in trouble. Bottom line is Mr. Brown made a lot of phone calls. So when I tried to corner Blinky Palermo in 1992 or 93, I think, in Atlantic City, Frank Gelb Sr. called me aside. He was the godfather then of, of, of Atlantic City. And he told me that's he's like an uncle to me, so you be careful there, Pedro. So I didn't mess with Blinky at all. You know what I'm saying? Because I had, I had, I don't know if you knew who Frank Gelb was, but I had tremendous respect for Frank Gelb. Man, he ran. You couldn't get into uh, Atlantic City and run boxing in the '80s and '90s without being part of Frank Gelb. I, the name I'm familiar with, but definitely a little bit before my time, being uh, on the other side of the ropes, uh, on the media side. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's been romanticized in movies. Boxing and the mob have kind of gone together. I mean, obviously, it's not what it once was. You know. Uh, Long gone is John Gotti and and and, and all these guys. Well, uh, God, you know, God, we could play a tape. We've got we've got John Gotti on. We've got actually Sammy the Bull Gramano talking mm-hmm. about John Gotti wanting to hit Don King and things like that. Yeah. If Don didn't want to get involved, and, and I remember uh, what did what did uh, Sammy say that the the kid they assigned to hit to left town. They never saw him again. The guy was told <laughs> to go kill Don King. They never saw him again. <laughs> mm. He didn't want to do that. Speaking of Don King. 91 years, 90 years old. Of course, that pathetic show a couple of months ago, he won the purse bids to Danny Dubois and Dave, Daniel Bryan. Is is there any future for him in that? You know what? He keeps at least he's getting Bryan busy. Something that he that he had not done in a long time. I guess Don's realizing the clock is ticking. But shouldn't so. shouldn't Bryan be arrested for impersonating a heavyweight contender? He wouldn't be the first one, though, Pedro. Let's Ooh, face it. You know, oh, he wouldn't be the first one. There's oh. been a, a whole a whole list. I mean, we, we we could keep going until tomorrow naming heavyweight pretenders. So, he you know, he won't be the first, won't be the last. So, you know, I'm sure he's 
looking to cash out someday. The closest I ever got to a guy, a couple closest I ever got to the mob, I think the mafia coming after me was when when uh, Suge Knight was calling me all the time and on the phone. I wouldn't pick up the phone. I was scared to death. Okay, finally he got arrested. Thank God he got arrested. Okay, because that's what started to stop the phone calls. Did I tell you about that when he was he was trying to no. uh, he was trying to run with uh, Zab Judah. He's trying to run with Zab Judah out of Brooklyn. And Shug okay. was like behind the scenes in Vegas for a couple of fights, this and that. And he said to me, man, you're the guy. You can help me out, blah, 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 blah. It was early 1990s when I was rocking and rolling. And, man, I hid from him because I don't know if I told you this now, but he had a, he had a tank full of piranhas in his office. And if you didn't, if you didn't do the things the way he did, he called his brothers in the uh, brother, brothers from the outer office. You know, his receptionist. He had a three hundred pound receptionist, and he would this receptionist would come in and take your hand or your head and put it in the piranha tank. So you would definitely sign with Suge. Mm. Yeah, Suge Knight. How the mighty have fallen, though, huh? I mean, Suge was a physically large human being, and. But apparently his chin was a little suspect. Yeah, he got knocked out a couple times. Hey, listen, yeah, he and, yeah. and bottom line was, but he's still scared to spit on him. He scared the snot out of me. I mean, I he scared the what, I, I, what he did to that white rapper when he hung him off the side of that building. I can't vanilla think of, ice, vanilla ice. Vanilla he hung, ice. He yeah. hung vanilla ice by his wrist off the side of a building, like fifteen or twenty stories up. Said either you sign with me or you are you going are you going to fall? And, and vanilla ice signed. Smart dude. Hey, Suge Knight had hip hop by the you know what strong arm style. Okay. He had you know uh, Snoop, Diddy on the run. He 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 had everybody shook. Okay, let's let's, let's switch gears real quick. Okay, we've only got a couple minutes left. Uh, Ugas and Earl Spence and I, of course, oh. for the World Welterweight Championship. Of course, uh, Ugas is the Cuban national. The guy's the underdog, no doubt about that. Um, I, I wish to God he could win. I mean, I, I would hope he would win, but I think he's got two chances, slim and none. Am I right? He's a 5-1 to one underdog. So that's slim looking, and none. Yeah, I mean, at least that's what the odds makers say. That's who they're feeling how people are going to put their money on. And part of that is because Ugas doesn't have much of a fan base. Uh, it's on pay-per-view. I'm interested to see if it's going to do over uh, 250,000 buys because I believe Spence and Garcia did only 300. Uh, I think Ugas has a shot because simply because Ugas has been the more active fighter as of late. And, and I think that's a big factor. Um, Errol Spence, I think the spotlight is on him. He's got to prove that, that he's passed his injury. He's passed a horrendous car accident. One thing is to, to bounce back and, and to be alive. The other thing is to be able to perform at an elite level. He hasn't done that in a while. If, if I know, was a Cuban, if I was a Cuban, you know what my my ring interest music would be? Would it would it happen to have uh, some ah, loud screeching ah, brakes? Screeching cars, <laughs> breaking glass, people screaming the whole nine yards. Is he dead? Is he dead? I mean, all that kind of. I, mean, I put it all out there, man. I'd be messing with Earl Spence as much because the bottom line is. You know, boxing is about 80% mental. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a mind game. And if you can get Errol Spence to lose his school, you never know. We could see an upset. Uh, now, if both, if everyone is even, even strengths, you have to favor Errol Spence. But I don't know if Errol Spence is the same Errol Spence as the same guy that beat Kell Brook. I think that guy's long gone. And But Ugas is 35 and a half. So they say on his record, he's probably closer to 38. You know, but... Um, are you trying to insinuate that Cubans have lied in the past on their, as far as their age was concerned? Many times. Not, well, certainly not the fighters, but 
the guys that promote them and that handle them. And ironically, one of his homeboys is fighting tonight too, Gamboa, who I think might might have had some white out on his birth certificate. Yeah, without a doubt, that. of course. Yuri Gamboa has seen better days without a doubt. Anyway, prediction for tonight? I'm going to go Spence by decision. Okay, by decision. I'm gonna, okay. In the close fight. I can see something like 7-5, you know, a close fight. Okay. Now, I think we'll experience it. I got about ten seconds here. Is Bob Arum gonna uh, run from the mafia here? Is he gonna cut ties with this guy totally, or what? Well, he said he was. You know, I mean, and now that the story's all over the place, how can how can you not? You know, he's ninety years old. I mean, come on, Bob. Ninety-nine, no doubt about that. And the bottom line is, you are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. This tower of power is breaking. Of course, Socrates Palmer's boxing's PhD appears Saturdays exclusively on Ring Talk Live Worldwide and WBC TV. After the break, we're going to the upcoming fights tonight and some more boxing news. I went to penitentiary. Gene Wilder, I did a movie. I went to, not me personally. I mean, I went to do a film in penitentiary. Um, <laughs> and it was, I was up there six weeks, Arizona State Penitentiary. It was something. Oh, you're applauding for that? Arizona State Penitentiary, real popular. <laughs> oh, man, it was strange because it's like 80% black people. And what's strange about that is that there are no black people in Arizona. That's right. The great Richard Pryor, of course, talking about the movie he did with uh, was a stir crazy. Stir crazy. Of course, that was we filmed down there at the Arizona State Penitentiary with Gene Wilder. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You're inside looking to the world of boxing and MMA. Of course, last week, Gennady Golovkin in action. Of course, Triple G, 42-1-1 one one now. Uh, of course, that one loss, that one draw to the aforementioned the king of boxing. I'm talking about Canelo Alvarez. Of course, the pound-for-pound king going to go May the 7th against Dimitri Bivol and about at 175 pounds, of which he is... Pretty good favorite in that fight, but the bottom line is, you know, Bivol's big, and two size matters in two things, pornography and combat sports. Dimitri Bivol has a decided size advantage over Canelo Alvarez, come May the 7th, of course, battling for the 175-pound championship. Straight up, let's go back to Gennady Golovkin. Of course, Golovkin, as I said, the one loss, the one draw to the aforementioned Canelo Alvarez. Now, last week, he went into Japan to take on Kyoto Murata, the 2012 Olympic gold medals, of course, came in at 16-2, and two, lost to Rob Brandt. And I thought that Rob Brandt was going to be a bit of a star, this American star. But then Rob Brandt went over there and got knocked out in two rounds. After beating the guy the first time, he goes over and he gets knocked out in two rounds. So I was that thought that smelled a little bit to me. I thought that Rob Brandt could have put up a little bit better than that. But bottom line is, Ryder Murata, the 2006-2012 Olympic gold medalist, was a WBA champion at this point in time, a middleweight champion. Of course, uh, Golovkin, the IBF title holder, they combine titles now. Golovkin has them both, of course, winning a 12-round decision, getting hurt early in the fight. I'm talking about Gennady Golovkin to the body. He didn't take it too well downstairs. Of course, Golovkin's got some um, some kinks in his armor. He's 40, like 41 years old, and the fact he's had all these fights. And in between fights, he doesn't train. I'm not trying to say he gets fat, 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 but he doesn't train in between fights. You can't get him to get off the couch. You couldn't get him reaching orgasm to the left hand. I mean, he does nothing, absolutely nothing, when he's not training. I kid you not, nothing. Anyway, Golovkin, as I said, 42-1-1. The scores were pretty wide. Uh, take, you know, I take that back. They weren't very wide. 78-74 when the fight was stopped in the ninth round. Of course, 79-73 and 77-75. That was a close score, the two points. Bottom line is WBA super middleweight title, super middleweight title, of course, 160 pounds. They call it the super world middleweight title. Why is the super world middleweight title? Isn't it to be the middleweight? 
heavyweight title anyway, IBF title as well. Of course, the International Boxing Organization was involved with this one as well. Uh, the bottom line is Golovkin was a bad dude. Second baddest dude in the world at 160 pounds. Maybe. Maybe the number one dude at 160. Maybe maybe he's better than Jamal Charlo. Of course, Charlo, the <coughs> undefeated WBC champion, coming to us out of Houston, Texas. Um, he's 32-0. and 0. He's got like 22 knockouts, but he's fought a whole lot of guys like Daniel, my producer, okay, and me. I mean, just fought a lot of guys that he was supposed to beat. So when you fight guys that you're supposed to beat, what mystique is there? I mean, what is there? What allure is there in wanting to watch you? I don't want to watch you go out and perform. I want you to watch you go out there and do something maybe I think is, um, you know, different. In other words, go out there and fight somebody like, you know, that has a chance, that has a pulse. There's somebody that maybe we can flip a coin, Mr. Charlo, and figure out who's going to win here. Of course, we tried to get you to step up to 168. Mike Tyson called you out. Mike Tyson called you out on his podcast. You were sitting there right next to him, and he called you out, made you look like a I don't want to use that word. Anyway, he made you look like a punk. He just did. I'm being, I'm being nice here. He did. He made you look like a punk. He said, man, why don't you fight this guy like before you're in your, in your, in your graveyard? You're in, you, you know, in other words, before you're dead as a boxer. I mean, why not fight this guy? <clears throat> Talk about the monster, David Benavides. Of course, Charlo was offered a uh, two-fight deal. I think that Canelo was offered a two-fight deal with Charlo at 160 pounds. It would have been at 168. And, of course, he was offered the next fight with 175 or 168 with David Menavides. Of course, the undefeated monster comes to us out of Arizona. He was the WBC super middleweight title holder at one point in time. Of course, he lost the, fight on, lost the title on the scale, never lost a fight per se, had some coke problems, has straightened out his life. Tyson thinks he's the baddest dude at 168. I think he's a bad dude at 160. Do I think he's the baddest dude? I don't know yet. I think he needs to be tested. I think that test will be the ultimate test with Canelo Alvarez. Canelo, Canelo probably doesn't want to fight him right now. Probably wants to hold that one off for maybe another year or so. Because Canelo, if you got to say one thing about Canelo, Canelo is perfect at fighting guys when he's supposed to. You know, not do or not nothing too early and not nothing too late. Of course, the one fight he's gone that he lost was with Floyd Mayweather. He wasn't ready for that fight. I mean, he was green as guacamole, without a doubt. And Mayweather, of course, realized he had a pay-per-view star here, and, and it's Canelo, Canelo Alvarez selling all these pay-per-views south of the border. Mayweather got together. They made a lot of money. And, of course, you know, Canelo lost a 12-round decision. But outside of that in the draw, he's perfect as far as his record's concerned. The rest of the fight's going down today. Isaac Cruz is going to take on Yuri Gamboa. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Of course, Cruz is a slight favorite here. Gamboa, of course, um, you know, his... Best days were like five, six, seven, eight years ago. Yuri Gamboa just hanging around to hang around and make a payday. Isaac Cruz, of course, the pit bull, lost to Javante Davis last time around, but he lost. Of course, other fights on the card today, Connor Ben, of course, coming to us out of the U.K., the son of Nigel Ben, the Dr. Shore, the former middleweight and super middleweight champion, taking on a guy named, uh, by the name of Chris Van Heerden. That's going to be on the zone, I believe. And, of course, next week, take that back, the 23rd, Tyson Fury and Dillian White, of course, in this fight now, promoted in part by the mafia. There's just no other way to put it. I mean, this guy Kinahan, Daniel Kinahan, was the mobster. He was the guy everybody was thanking. He was the guy people were sending checks to. Bob Arum sent him four $1 million checks, and he knew it was a mobster. And now, of course, this guy's there's a, a reward for him, $5 million bucks. I guess he won't be showing his face outside of Dubai. He'll probably ride riding around Dubai with a lot of bodyguards, things like that, because people will be looking to take him for that $5 million bucks. Him and his father and his brother, all three guys, Fifteen million bucks wrap up this entire family, the Kinahan family, the alleged Kinahan crime, uh, organized crime force. Of course, they were allegedly involved in drugs and, um, you know, fixed fights now and all kinds of things. So not the people you want to be hanging around with. Of course, I said Mauricio Suleiman caught in a picture with him a couple of weeks ago. Mauricio said, look, you can't 
always figure out who you take pictures with this and that. And I didn't really know right then and there what was going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bottom line is you may get a pass on this one, Mr. Suleiman, but that's not a very good idea to take a picture with an an alleged. All right. Yeah. What's the difference between alleged and arrested and then convicted? Three different three different statuses there. Right. Three different classifications. Of course, he was an alleged mobster. Now he's been in a uh, now he's they want him. They want to arrest him. Okay, he's got a warrant out for his arrest, a $5 million reward for his arrest. Of course, this is just a few weeks after things happened over there in Dubai. Of course, Dubai trying to put boxing together in a big in big time. When I was over there in 2012, Harold Smith and I tried to put together a, a boxing car, but I was sick in bed for a week. So I couldn't do the presentations he wanted me to do. I was sick in bed for a week. Food poisoning. In fact, I think that it wasn't food poisoning. I drank some booze. I don't drink too often. I drank some booze on the way over on some airline, some beautiful airline, Air Emirates or something like that. So they offered me, like, I looked at the booze bottles, like $85, $90 cognac. So yeah, I'd go with this, right? It was probably cognac. For like, when it said, like, five years on it, probably, like, 19 years old because it didn't taste all that good. But I drank it anyway. And I drank it anyway. And I got to Dubai, and I was sick as a dog for, like, a week and a half. Went to the doctor twice. Anyway, ended up doing one video shoot. I was supposed to do, like, eight or nine video shoots. I only did one, and I got out of town. That's when I went to the airport and found out, Daniel, that my – uh, return ticket in the United States had been cashed in by the promoter. Yeah. This, these are the things that happen to you in the world of professional boxing. I kid you not. I went to the world of the country of Dubai. And, hey, and don't say I'm, I'm not a dumb. Don't say I'm a dummy because I checked with the airport before I left San Francisco. And I said to the guy, I said, is this a round-trip ticket? Is this good? Oh, yeah, it's already been paid for. Don't worry about it. So when I got to the airport in Dubai after leaving them, uh, I'll put it this way, uh, estranged. It was in a strange relationship at that point in time, me and Harold Smith. Uh, I left there with it as a bit pissed off. So I went to the airport, and the lady says, Sorry, your ticket's been cashed. I said, when was that done? She goes, two hours ago. So evidently, they thought they were going to cash in my ticket and keep me in Dubai so I would, like, do the video shoots for them. Screw you. I know how to get out of town when I need to get out of town. I brought out the old plastic, flew the old plastic down, 1800 bucks. I flew first class back to San Francisco. What can I say? I knew it was my time to leave. Of course, I took a sleeping pill. They gave me this big sleeping pill, Daniel. I'll never forget this one. So I took two of them, right? I took two of them. I'm sitting in first class. I'm sitting, you know, kicking back. I'm, sitting, I'm getting out of this hell hole, this sweat pit. I'll never want to go back to Dubai. Dubai was one of the worst places I've ever been in my entire life. It was hot as hell. When I say hell, I mean hell. I mean, like the devil might have been there. It was that hot. It's hot. And that was the wintertime. It was over there. Hey, Pedro, you know, this is like the wintertime over here. Wintertime? Keep it, man. Without a doubt. All they had was over there as far as the chicks, the chicks were concerned was girls wearing burkas. Some of the girls were sexy burkas. They had the Victoria's Secret burkas, okay? Nice sexy burkas. And the other ones were just tramps, trollops. I mean, that's what it was. Hookers and burkas. That's all you got in Dubai as far as women are concerned. Sort of hard to distinguish between the two. And, of course, the Filipinos over there do all the... Uh, the work, the labor, and that kind of stuff. The Philippines, I think, there's nobody left in the Philippines. I think they're all working in Dubai. That and, of course, Coma, California. But straight up, Dubai, the hellhole it is, of course, this Daniel Kinahan guy has been based there. And, of course, now he's got $5 million warrant out for his arrest. I hope they arrest him real soon because, you know, I'm not a big guy on the mafia. I mean, I stay away from the mafia when, I mean, Al Certo was connected to uh, organized crime. Of course, he was the manager of Buddy McGirt at one point in time back in the early 80s or late, late, late 80s, early 90s. Um, I associated, I said that he was associated with organized crime in my award-winning column for Flash and Boxing Update magazine before we went to the Internet. And um, he called me on the phone and said, you MF, you no good MF, blah, 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 he screamed at me. And if you ever say I'm with the mafia again, I'll kill you. 
Whoa, if I ever say he's with the mafia again, he'll kill me. Sounds like he's with the mafia, doesn't it? Anyway, bottom line is there have been mafia ties over the years, without a doubt, in professional boxing. Of course, Kinnan is just the latest. Of course, I mentioned Frankie Carbwell and Blinky Palermo. They were the two guys that ran Madison Square Garden, Garden Boxing. They ran the entire world of boxing. If they called you on the phone and told you to throw a fight, if you didn't, you were in deep trouble. Deep trouble. Maybe get hurt. Maybe get killed. Maybe have some of your relatives get threatened. Things like that. But when Mr. Brown called, you had to throw the fight. If you didn't throw the fight, you were in trouble without a doubt. Now, Golovkin, of course, the winner last week going to wait. I think uh, probably not have another fight in between, but probably going to wait on the winner of the Dimitri Bivol. Um, Johnny uh, Canelo Alvarez fight, of course, May the 7th at 175 pounds. He wants to fight Canelo at 168. That's what he says. Of course, fighting Canelo at 175, I think, for Johnny for Golovkin would be a <clears throat> huge size disadvantage. He's just, he's a small middleweight. He's a small guy. Golovkin's a small guy. In fact, I was looking at pictures of him and Roberto Duran the other day. They were side by side. Roberto's even smaller. Can you believe that? This guy that turned pro at 122 pounds was able to battle the greatest middleweight of all time <clears throat> in the minds of many, marvelous Marvin Hagler, for 15 rounds. And he was ahead after 12 rounds. Think about that. Ray Leonard wasn't ahead after 12 rounds. Ray Leonard won after 12 rounds. Tommy the Hitman Hearns, of course, that fight, April 15, 1985, that was yesterday. Man, the anniversary of that fight was just yesterday. Of course, the day that I met Larry Merchant. Larry Merchant looked like he, he looked like Tommy Hearns. He looked like he fell out of an airplane and survived. His hair was all messed up in the whole nine yards. And I'm seeing him in the Caesars Palace uh, a sports pavilion. It was like this aluminum tut, this aluminum hut. We had, this aluminum hut we had outside that held about three thousand people. So when we had big fights outdoors, we used that as a press, the press area. So anyway, I met Larry Merchant. Larry Merchant walks up to me and goes, "Could you believe that?" He's talking about Tommy, Tommy Hearns and Marvin Hagler going at three incredible rounds, or less than three incredible rounds. But the bottom line is that's why I met the Godfather Larry Merchant. Of course, that was the anniversary of us, our meeting, April 15, 1985. Man, I called him yesterday, left him a text. Of course, him and the Godmama kicking back, loving life in Santa Monica, California. He's 91 years old. Larry Merchant is 91 years old, and he's a guy I go to for advice. He's my go-to guy. He just is. At 91, he's still my go-to guy. Um, what can I say? He's, in, he's an individual that's never had a cup of coffee in his entire life. I, I just, you know, and, and it was funny. It was that when he grew up, he grew up in the polio, in the polio area, you know, when, when people were getting polio left and right. And this was back in the 30s and the 40s. And his mother wouldn't let him sleep in air, sleep, wouldn't let him sleep, wouldn't let him swim in airplanes, oh, swim in airplanes, swim in swimming pools, public swimming pools. I thought that was sort of cool. That's sort of smart. I mean, if you're going to get it, you're going to get it hanging out with other kids, right? That's where you're going to hang out with other kids, the swimming pool. So I thought Mrs. Merchant was spot on there. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide and WBC-TV, Mauricio. The Fab Four doing their birthday thing. Must be somebody's birthday. How about Annette Vega? Super auntie. Of course, her nephew, Carlito, is down in Southern California now. He reminds me so much of me. It's like freaky. He just does. He's smart. He's curious. He's just... He, he's, he just reminds me so much of me of wishing the very best. Of course, happy birthday to Annette Vegas. She turns 29 for like the 40th time. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You're inside look in the world of boxing and MMA. Of course, tonight... Udi Urgas, of course, the Cuban national, the WBA champion, a decided underdog to Earl Spence. Unless Earl Spence was damaged by that car accident I talked about a couple of years ago where he got thrown out of that car at 150 miles an hour. Unless he was damaged by that car accident, he's gonna, probably going to beat Ugas. I mean, you know, I mean, he probably is. I mean, I want to wish I want to wish Ugas the very best. Of course, he's got some good people in his corner. I mean, I wish him the very, very best. But the bottom line is a 5 one underdog to Earl Spence. That means he has two chances, slim and none. And like Don King said, slim probably left town. As far as the UFC is concerned, 
concern. Of course, last week, wow, what can I say? Everybody was rocking and rolling, but it was Alexander Kolonasi. Anyway, the, the featherweight champion was the winner, of course, again against or the Korean Zombie. The Korean Zombie got stopped. The Korean Zombie is not much. Dana White's hurting for personnel. There's no doubt about it. He has nobody. Master, Master, Master Dana, Master Dana in the in the in the in the uh, UFC plantation. I think it's falling apart. Why do I say that? Because I think John Jones and Francis Ngannou are both going to bolt the UFC and hold their own pay per view next year for the UFC or for the World Heavyweight Championship, as far as the world of mixed martial arts is concerned. Dana White, if you get screwed, it couldn't happen to a better guy. Of course, here's a guy that took a business that was worth 1.5 million bucks and turned it into a business that was worth. $4,200 million, that's right, from $1.5 million to $4,200 million. So he's a genius from that perspective, okay? But the bottom line is, he needs to go away, man. I mean, he needs to, he needs to go away. His running the world of mixed martial in the UFC, it just it doesn't, come, it doesn't come over well. And guys that he likes, they get easier fights. Guys that he doesn't like get death matches, of course. And Dana's got a philosophy in which, you know, if he keeps you in tough fights, <clears throat> you're not going to last very long, so you won't make the big money eventually. And of course, sometimes you get beat up and you get knocked out for $12,000. Imagine that. Get knocked out for $12,000 in February. You can't fight for like six months, right? So you get knocked off saying, well, how much money are you going to make? Like 6000 bucks maybe? How's it going to last you six or seven months? It's not. Dana White's ripoff. The pimp of all pimps, in my opinion, without a doubt. And I'm a former policeman. You are tuned to Ring Talk. Live worldwide, you're inside looking through the world of boxing and MMA. Of course, coming to you Saturdays and Sundays, 11 a.m. Pacific time. Of course, you live on Twitch.tv. And, of course, coming to you on Vive TV. I want to thank the Jockamans down there in Dallas, Texas. They rock and roll with the reproduction of the show without a doubt. Until next time, keep your hands up, keep your chin down, but most importantly, Keep your butt off the canvas of life. Peace and respect.